Hello everyone, it's the Rowdy Buddhist here. I hope you guys are all doing well. Um, Today I wanted to share with you an important podcast that, again, uh, always shows us where we need to uh, perhaps reestablish our practice. Uh, And again, to just simplify, uh, which is actually one of the most difficult parts uh, that I have both as a practitioner and as a teacher, uh, it's something that my sure Reverend Skomoto is extremely good at. And so today I wanted to share with you uh, something that recently, and this is why we can learn, we learn from everybody within our Sangha. Um, sometimes it reminds us uh, to original lessons that we had received from our teachers. And so I wanted to, as this came forward in my mind, I wanted to share it with all of you. And the title of this uh, podcast is, How is Your Daily Practice? So let me first relate to you why uh, this had been brought to the forefront of my mind in this situation. So, you know, in in teaching Buddhism, I have to teach many different people uh, who have many different learning capacities, different understanding, different levels of uh, belief or faith in Buddhism, etc. And uh, again... Even no matter how how many how much we practice Buddhism, uh, Buddhism doesn't alleviate that we still have to deal with life. So all of us are dealing with challenges in our life, and I believe that this is where sometimes we kind of compartmentalize Buddhism separate from our daily life. Even though, in a kind of cliche way, we like to say Buddhism is daily life. We practice Buddhism in daily life, but actually, um, it, it's very complicated in many ways if you think that Buddhism is just a philosophy uh, because you know we have to understand the Buddhist teachings through our daily life but again we need to make sure that it's in accordance with this teaching because if we just sit there and pretend that we're the Buddha talking to ourselves you know that's the um, we the rationalizing mind that basically you know allows us to always come out on top and and a lot of times not have to uh, be aware of the offenses or uh, negative things that we may have done. So it's just like uh, the ego itself where uh, everything we do is right and what everyone else does is crazy and wrong. Uh, so that's one thing we have to be very anxious about because this is obviously something that's difficult uh, if you don't have a teacher. And, and again, all of us, uh, the, the, most, the most important of our teachers is the Buddha. And the Buddha is no longer around, and so is Nichiren Buddhism. Of course, we believe that the Buddha is an eternal nature, so not necessarily just a living person. But as you can see, if you would have the Buddha, perhaps you may think it would be more, it would be easier to practice Buddhism if the Buddha was alive, because there are just so many Buddhist teachings uh, that sometimes uh, it can be difficult to uh, be able to utilize them properly in our daily practice, or, of course, most importantly, to deal with our daily challenges. And so a conversation came up with a practitioner that was having some issues. And one of my students made a very wise comment and said, how is their practice? Well, not a comment, a question. How is their practice? And this related back to um, the simplicity that Reverend Skomoto uh, would do, and of course, I probably overcomplicate things, and, and again, attach to in some way um, the idea of philosophy or uh, dogma, etc. But you know, 
actually it is really that simple because as a teacher um, we can we can sometimes get lost in our likes or dislikes and again we're all ignorant we don't have perfect wisdom so therefore when we're looking how to assist someone a lot of times we like to think we can analyze a, a situation based on our own understanding sometimes that helps you know having life experience that helps um, but ultimately, uh, we anyone who has really explored and experienced life would know the more you think you know, the less you know. Uh, and actually, all of us are these really simplistic, um, almost childish beginners in, in the practice of Buddhism, which is not a down, not putting down our practice, but that actually it's a level of maturity. Um, and so therefore... The most important way that I remember Skomoto Sensei stating was this exact point, was when we wish to support someone, instead of getting involved in all of the the head messages and information and this and that, which they can be um, supportive information that can help people a lot, but in actuality, uh, we need to look more simply to the core, uh, which will enable, again, which is the ultimate purpose of Buddhism, to enable the being themselves to come to this realization. Because again, there are lots of thieves of enlightenment. What that means is that someone just simply giving you an answer or telling you how to think or act is a thief of, of wisdom. That there's, they're thieving people's wisdom because wisdom is something that is taking information and understanding it with one's body. All right, and then what that means is changing it from information into wisdom, which is a uh, different category of understanding. And so this takes us back to the very again the simplification, the basics of what we call in the martial arts kihon. Kihon means basics or fundamentals. Uh, kihon would be kata. So therefore, sometimes when people look at the martial arts, they they think, "Well, that's ridiculous. That wouldn't work." when they see someone performing kata. Well, actually, if you have never done, and I, I've taught uh, Aikido and other martial arts for a long time, most people are extremely awkward with their body, uh, especially uh, when you're trying to train it. If you've never really trained your body, uh, and especially when you talk about martial arts, it's usually on the very uh, small, uh, very concentrated points. So therefore, it takes a lot of physical and mental concentration uh, to be able to practice and, and move in such a way that these kihon basics uh, or fundamentals are, allow us to see into each movement, right? And, and to be able to have someone <coughs> who can observe it and assist us with the movement, saying, okay, be able to observe and say, oh, your movement is... Uh, very tight here, or again, moving your body with your breath and mind, the unification of all three aspects. And again, as we spoke before, we talked about the stages of learning, sh, uh, shuhari. And this kata, or kihon, is in the first part of shu, which means to protect and obey the, the tradition. So you learn the tradition in a very uh, basic form. Uh, and again, that form is not being applied to anything. It's just being able to understand movement and how that's being utilized with your breath, your mind, and your body. And from that point, you then go on to ha. 
Ha is the idea where one, it's, it's actually translated as frustration or difficulty, but it means actually then put in one's own personality. So it's not breaking, they use the word break free from the kata, but it's not. What it means is integrating the kata into your body. You've probably experienced this in anything you've done as you learn at the beginning. You have to take it very slow, concentrate, and then little by little, uh, it then increases in efficiency and even speed. And then finally, D means to be set free. But in actuality, it doesn't mean in the idea of suddenly you're free now to go teach. But what it means is that now you understand a kind of freedom in which before, without looking at the body, mind, and breath, you were not free. So again, it's interesting because at that level, which many people would say, well, then you're a teacher. Well, actually, you then go back to the kata, back to the shu. So it's not a linear process in that way. You go back always to the kihon, or basics, as we say. And this has been proven time and time again in my own practice, that when we kind of, you know, as we make progress, we kind of get to this kind of uh, preface, uh, preface or level in which we then feel like we're not having progress, that we're kind of stuck in a rut because we've kind of tapered off. We've had that really great experience of, of being able to achieve something, and then it kind of plateaus. It's, plateau is a better word for it. How do we then improve and go further? And th- that comes again. Now with that new mindset, that new uh, kind of understanding, we then go back to the basics or fundamentals. And then we work again on that. And that is actually where the practice is. So simply, as Komoto Sensei had said, we should keep this kind of mantra, how is your practice? How is your daily practice? We can ask ourselves that because when a problem presents us, uh, is presented to us, um, that practice is what gives us stability. It gives us the kata in order for us to be able to properly apply it. And that every time we attempt to apply it, we actually have a deeper understanding of the kata. But the most important is in the fundamentals. So I want to talk about beginning a practice because we're going to go back to the kata, the very basic of beginning a practice. Because if these fundamentals are not proper, then what will happen is uh, the practice itself will be shaky. Because that's the really important part of having a teacher is that a teacher simply gives you this information, allows you and helps you to experience it have a taste of it, and then you are to cultivate it on your own. And then keep coming back to which the teacher just keeps reinforcing the principles. And and you get to have these after you plateau and understand it within your certain mentality, you can then go above and beyond. And that's where it is gaining uh, insight and wisdom. So they use an idea. It's a very important part of in, in any practice, they call it the six points preparation. So this is something you could use uh, in a daily practice, etc. And it's it's used for new students, but actually, as a uh, not a new student, but every day I feel like a new student, I always have to go back to these fundamentals, uh, points of preparation, in order to re-solidify my practice. Because again, when usually issues happen in our life that we're unable to uh, understand or see or be able to work through, or that they seem so overwhelming because we're we're stuck deeper in that samsara, that our mind isn't free to then be aware and know how to um, look and perceive things properly, 
Um, it all comes down to our practice, simple as it is. And again, when I was younger, I thought this was way too simple. I thought there was probably a more uh, kind of esoteric, uh, magical, uh, you know, mystical type part of it. But actually, in the simplicity itself is the power. So the first one is to fire up your motivation or find your motivation that when you get sit down to practice, it's important to remind yourself of why you've chosen to practice. So it's actually changing our mind, which I experienced because for many years, practice for me was a chore or difficult. And I, I didn't particularly, and again, I would do anything to uh, avoid it, even though I knew it was good for me. We usually avoid what's good for us and indulge in what's not, of course, right? That's our that's our suffering nature. And so therefore, it's very important to associate and understand one's motivation because that's one part. It's not enough One's motivation is not enough to keep you practicing, but it's important on a daily basis that you reevaluate that motivation because then you're able, as you as you change, as you grow in your faith and study, you see the changes both in your physical body, your mental body, right, your spiritual body, and 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 you realize, okay, this is comfortable. This is positive. And when you re- when you realize the positive nature, because sometimes people don't stop and see the positive nature, we're able to reinforce and and actually I think in a way learn with our body, mind, and spirit that this is positive, and, and that makes it that has for me made it easier to practice because we all want to be happy, we all want to be uh, positive, we all want to be our uh, authentic greater self, right, our Buddha nature. But unless we see what things, what seeds that we plant or what things that we invest in that contribute to that, we'll never understand how, uh, what's, what's proper and what is not. So when you sit down, we have a moment in which we remind ourselves why we've chosen to practice. And, you know, it's, it's important, again, that we don't judge our reasons as being good or bad for any reason to practice. But we just acknowledge and accept them as they are. So having, and and again, your sense of purpose will change sometimes. It'll be originally for yourself. And then you may be practicing and supporting others where, you know, your, your mind becomes more vast and expansive. But having this clear sense of purpose will, of course, support and help your motivation and help you deal with any issues of being restless or actually being resistant to the practice, because that those are the two major stumbling blocks that every that I've experienced in my practice. And then number two would be to have reasonable goals. This again is why it's important to have a teacher, because actually most people they love Buddhism, they love they see the benefits of it in other people, they see the great teaching, they want to practice. Suddenly they want to be priests, you know, and, and then again then they don't realize how hard everything is. So therefore, they then throw themselves on 100% and they uh, then burn out. But in this sense, goals give us direction. But it's a very, very imperative that we're realistic so that we're not disappointed. Actually, setting small goals for oneself is actually better than not achieving anything during the day. I remember I used to get so upset if I didn't achieve all the things that I wanted to do. But if I achieved one, I was better off than where I was before. 
And it's important in this we can ask ourselves what we hope to accomplish in our session or our practice, right? What do we want? And we can think about some of the issues that we've been working on or best how to apply it, uh, you know, how to cha- how to uh, apply the practice in our daily life. But the most important is to sit and practice. You don't need all of the uh, difficult goals, right? But the goal is is to practice and change one's life. That's really important. But then we have to actually sit down and do it. So by understanding the different stages that we're at, and this happens with with a teacher that's a that's gone through the process. That means somebody who's a, a little further on the path. They can help us set realistic goals. So it's important to constantly contact and and discuss with your teacher and mentor, um, and, and to practice together. Because I can see and, and show people that okay, because they'll have these really lofty. I'm gonna I'm going to chant for one hour or something like that, and and there is a natural progression uh, that is advisable, so that we can be able to properly study and practice Buddhism. Uh, number three would be really be aware of your expectations. So. We should, of course, set goals and and practice as diligently as we can to receive them. But we have to be really careful of the ambitious expectations that we have, such as the Almighty should be. Uh, Because I do chanting, I should be a millionaire. Um, Because I practice chanting, I should be uh, get rid of my anger, all of those things. This easily sets people up for disappointment. It's 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 really important to resolve to hold the goals you've, that we set for ourselves lightly, in a way to find enjoyment in every practice that we have, no matter what happens, and to say and to of course taste and enjoy any achievement that we get. So simply practicing is the greatest accomplishment you can do. Sometimes, and and I'll be honest with you, as a practitioner, that's my accomplishment each day. <laughs> You may say, well, Sente, you've done so much this and that. Actually, we all fight with our lazy self, our ignorant self. And I know that the practice is what changes my heart and mind towards the Buddha mind, right? And we all realize and know when we practice and when we don't practice. So my goal is very simple. I actually have given up goals for happiness and, and this and for that and should be etc. Just to practice was enough for me. And actually that that encourages me every day and I feel good that even that simple goal of practicing uh, is the most powerful of my expectations or goals, right? And then the fourth would be, of course, to commit yourself to diligence. And, And diligence, as we know in Buddhism, means wholeheartedly being part of your practice rather than, you know, just you know, when you sit down and practice, kind of daydreaming or zoning off. Buddhism is not about zoning off. Buddhism is about being holy and wholeheartedly in, invested in the practice, being present. It's not about zoning out. It's about being present and, and being aware and seeing oneself. So it's not about just sitting there and going through the motions, which is how a lot of people practice Buddhism. If you practice Buddhism, even simple motions properly, it's very challenging. And and there's so much room within that kata, as I said, that form, 
to improve and to understand oneself. You can take anything, even the most simplistic thing like cleaning in Buddhism, right? The whole part of Buddhism is about cleaning. But people would say that's a very mundane thing. Uh, what can you learn from cleaning? You can learn everything from cleaning. You can understand the Buddha's enlightenment from cleaning. So sometimes you, you'll be tempted in this situation to think about what is more interesting, right, or important than your regular practice. So more people want more practices, more studies, right, more uh, esoteric teachings, more this, more that. But actually, the simplistic idea of chanting the Daimoku, that is why uh, Nichiren Shonen's uh, genius and compassion of bodhisattvahood is contained in that such a elegant and simplistic way of practice. So, it's important that we don't indulge in, in, into these tempting distractions. So, also the other thing is that judging the quality of your practice can lead also to doubt. So, and this, of course, when you feel that you're not a good practitioner, it gives rise to procrastination and resistance in your practice. So it's important that we remind ourselves that whatever happens in our practice, the best way to overcome it is by simply practicing. That also means with daily life, as I said, when things are going on or going wrong in life, what is that stone anchor? What is that, can, what is that one thing that you can trust in this world? That is practice. That that practice will bring you from the hell mind into the Buddha mind. So by practicing and resolving ourselves to practice daily for the entire time that we commit ourselves, whether that's 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes, it's important that we complete the entire session. Don't cheat yourself, no matter how it goes. So some days will be wonderful. Some days will be challenging. Some days will be so-so. But not to judge that based on that. Most important, we should have faith, and that's why faith is an essential part in order to practice properly. Then also we need to think about the potential, number five would be the potential distractions that we may face. So it's important to know uh, our state of mind before we practice. So we can, at the beginning of practice, perform an inventory of things going on in our life that could come up as distractions, such as if you had an argument with your wife or issues at work or a friend. And you can see that if your mind is occupied by these worries about the future, because again, that's one of the issues about practice. People will then go off into this make-believe, uh, how do you say, um, daydreaming about the future or about getting stuck as regrets in the past or doubts or other annoyances that you may face in your daily life. So... It'll help you, if you can, to review, and you can see this within the five hindrances that we discussed before. But it's, it's, it's important to acknowledge these thoughts, to be real with yourself, uh, whatever they are, and, and, to, and, and to let them be as it is, and set them aside if they arise. So it's better to be not in denial when you're practicing. You may be just able to uh, understand it and say, as it is, we have that phrase. Because to actually deny things as we know and push them deeper into our subconscious or into our mind, that is what makes us ill. So it's very important in a way, in a humble way, 
to be able to release these and understand why we practice. Because these things can also be motivation. Because as you grow in your practice, whenever I have a difficult situation, I don't think I want to go off and do this habit or that habit. You know, lots of different habits, not necessarily all bad in the in the in the long term, but actually they're distracting habits. So therefore, that's why we I focus on practice because I know what the results are based on my che- reality checks of myself. And then when we practice, the sixth part is to adjust ourselves, to adjust our posture, our body. So it's important that as we re- as we start and we we prepare ourselves in the right form, because a lot of times people just practice what they think, how they see something, but actually this is why you need a Buddhist teacher because. There's specific form that is involved. So we review our posture, we become comfortable, we relax our body. You know, um, as our our head and neck and back are in alignment, not leaning forward nor backwards nor to the side. Our shoulders should be even, our hands level with each other, relaxed our shoulders, our elbows as we put our hands in gasho. You know, we we relax. If there's something tense within your body, you relax it and prepare yourself. This is a kind of purification to begin practice. And and all of these are essential to have a good practice. So, and relax and enjoy yourself. So, as we scan our body and let go of any tension that we have, we are able to, again, allow our true nature to come out, our Buddha nature. This is done through right posture. Posture is a very important part of kata. Right? Just as mind, just as breathing is. But this allows us to have uh, it enter the correct state to be able to nourish our Buddha nature and therefore change our life. So, again, uh, whether you understand these six points or not, the important thing is always revert back to practice. And again, you may think that that's way too simple there's got to be something more uh, magical or something. It is magical. It is powerful. Because actually that's where the change begins uh, and ends. So no matter where you are in your progress, it always relates back to practice. So if you have an issue right now in your life, if you have something that's challenging you, or if you have a problem, an addiction, anything that you're overcoming, you can say, how is my daily practice? And and you can start. Because at any time you can start. At anywhere you can start. This is not something that you need to buy a $300 or a $1,000 now uh, dollar exercise equipment. Or you have to buy some special program or go to a specific seminar. What you need to do is just sit and chant the Daimoku Namu Myo with all your heart. So therefore, I hope this lecture has been useful for everyone. Uh, And I thank you again for your wonderful support of the Rowdy Buddhist podcast. Thank you very much. Namu myoho renge kyo.